0: All right. Hey, everybody. It's Scoots here, and I'm here live, I guess, with, uh, or, well, I guess I'm here live. This is an unexpected place. I didn't expect to be in this. Uh, is uh, someone I met during the intro, uh, which I presume, maybe, like, since I met you during the intro of a podcast I was making, and I'm alone when I'm recording, that you're part of, you're some sort of manifestation within me. Uh, but I wanted to introduce everybody to protector projector, uh, which is, is you, so projector proje- projector proje- protector or prote- project, protector projector protector lives somewhere within me. And, and uh, just as a refresher for anybody that's new or that's listening along, and says, "Scoots, how about a refresher before you introduce?" Plus, I don't know. Uh, you know, do not, it's not easy for everybody to be on the mic. A little behind the scenes too. When you record a podcast, you listen to you. You have headphones on normally, and the the uh, the so you're hearing your voice as you're recording. That that way you know you're close to the mic, and you, you just you can monitor. They call it monitoring your own audio. And of course, just the idea of being on the mic, so I'm just trying to give Projector Protector a little time to warm up too and get comfortable. But so there's this concept on Sleep With Me podcast called Brain Bots, and it's been around for a while, at least four or five let's see, what years it's twenty twenty. We started the podcast in twenty thirteen. So at least five years I think we've had brain bots. And before BB-88 or that other cone droid, the droid with the cone-shaped head that's also super cute, I don't know if I did this on an episode of the podcast or in person, but I said, "What? Ha- like, what's up with R2? Not to change the subject. Uh, But did R2, like, do something to fall out of favor with the world? I mean, no offense. I mean, or none, like, BB-8 or or BB-88, you're both so cute. And you, Cone Droid, I don't know what your official numerical title is. Uh, But you're great, too. I'm not trying to take away from anything. And I realized that R2 was kind of dormant, or maybe you say, well, r is very tied to Luke Skywalker. And I only saw the last movie once, so I guess I'd have to see it again to say, oh, well, R2 did get some time in that movie. Yeah, but I just don't get it. I mean, I mean especially... Uh, really realized that, you know there's a lot of people rewrite. They say, "Well, what about this, this or that, or because?" But how come C3PO got so much airtime, and not R2? I always thought they were a team, in my opinion. And I realized there was a lot bigger stuff than that, you know, like, bit uh, like, uh, I don't know. I just keep coming back to it. I mean, not as big as a deal as when they left the floating pram. They put that in the garbage, uh, a dumpster. And uh, the Mandalorian, that one has kept me, has been with me for a long. I say, do you? You're telling me there is a pram or a, a carriage that would hover, and you threw it away. I mean, even there's other things I've thought about this floating pram thing. Oh, for those of you that don't don't listen regularly to or don't listen to Mandalorian episodes, so there's a TV show called The Mandalorian and it takes place in the Star Wars universe i think uh, at some point in the ta- in the Star Wars timeline that uh it, it like i don't know i don't want to get too focused on that you know features. it was it's a brilliant show d- well, very well done but there was one plot point so there was a, a small uh, baby like character on a baby oso Oso for oh so cute, and also because the baby, all of the wonderful qualities of Oso oh, Raven, uh, baby Oso oh, try like also embodied those qualities, and maybe that's so Raven, uh, but I've I've like watched I've watched that in a hotel room a couple times, but so this baby Oso oh, during the film, or during the show program had a a pram or a carriage. Is that what they call them? Baby carriage, baby pram, stroller. That's what they call them here in the U.S. And, you know, you're familiar with strollers or prams or wherever you are in the world, it may have another title. But a conveyance for a baby that's lying down. And maybe some of them have two wheels, some of them have four wheels, some of them have wheels that are big, you know, all those things. This one... Here's a couple features of the floating pram that was featured on the Mandalorian. Uh, one, it, it floated. It didn't have it didn't have wheels. Didn't need wheels. It it was uh, it, it it hovered, but also could go forward and backwards. Also at very high speeds. Had remote control. Uh, they could be communicated. It could do change direction, could follow you or probably go in front of you or next to you. It could definitely go next to you. So I didn't even think about the the technology for self driving. So it was a self-driving always under observation except the time the Mandalorian was on the um the hub the big uh, Java ship thing, portable fortress or whatever they call it. I don't know how this turned into a Star Wars episode, but, uh, I mean, May the 5th is coming up. But don't worry, projector protector, we'll get back to you. Um, So that sounds pretty sweet. Not only that, it had, like, a cover that was actually, like, wet, like, the cover would come down. And not only would it, but if the baby needed it to be dark, no matter the time of day, it could do that. If the baby needed it for rain, like a very all-weather cover. Automatic, or automatic 2, I think it was. Also is made out of some sort of alloy or metal, which most of us associate. I mean, not many people are rolling around in like a platinum pram uh, because, it, you know, you have to push it. Where this, you didn't have to push it. It just floated. And so at some point, the, um, the former members of the former empire got a hold of this pram and what did they do with it? They threw it away in a dumpster. And it's just something I've never been able to let go of. Uh, I mean, in the story, it's not that important. But I just, I mean, I made my own story about it, that a storm storm person, a former trooper of storms or whatever, said, oh, boy, boss, don't worry, I'm going to throw that right away. That's the best place for it, Totally. And then they, after work, they were gonna go get it, cause that would be common sense. Uh, so I don't know. What was the name of that planet too? I forget. I forgot it. Just I'm. I'll probably. Oh, Navarro. I think that's the planet. If you're ever on Navarro, go through the dumpsters. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that was before the first order, but you'd say Who, who's uh, who's in charge of resources. Uh, No wonder you're not the Empire anymore. Talk about imperialists. You're just wasting stuff. And so that makes me return to my point of, you know, another thing that has gotten my goat uh, or my goat got my gruff or whatever we say here on the podcast was that uh, I don't know why R2 didn't get more screen time. I mean, I guess, I, I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, I hope R2's not listening. But when you get got BB-8 uh, cruising around, I mean, I guess, yeah, there's just a change in relevance. Because uh, you say, well, BB-8, BB-, I always want to say BB-88. But, I mean, BB-8 had a lot of personality. And so you say, well, I just can't write for, like, sorry, I can't write for three, two, dro- like, you know, can't write. We don't have enough droid writers, uh, that's what it was. Uh, during the rewrites, we just could only focus so much on uh, storylines and non-humanoid droids. Uh, and once we, so, so okay, I said, okay, I can relate to that. I have trouble with uh, managing more than, like, two main characters. Uh, So all that being said, once upon a time, uh, or or every once in a while, I talk about brain bots, which are parts of our personality, in my opinion, uh, that are usually, a lot of times during the day, they're latent or they're sleeping, but then when you get into bed, they start cruising around, just like R2 or BB-8 or the Cone Droid, and they start trying to get your attention, and usually... I mean, here's the other thing uh, that that I don't mean to keep talking about, Star Wars and droids. But I say to myself, uh, so, because for me, brain bots usually just are filling one function. Normally, it's some sort of ongoing uh, ALARM or alert. Or like they had the ability to project in the shows, like project something. And they'd say, just watch this movie about fourth grade again. Just five seconds, but it really uh, I want you to think about this before you get some sleep because I can't. That's my job is to remind you of this. And you say, Well, why? So, well, so we don't repeat it again, or so we can just try to think about how we could get back there and do it differently, or how good our lives would have been. You say, Okay, thank you for showing me that projection, it's uh, uh, yeah. So those are brain bats. I guess the next tangent I was going to go on about droids, though, was uh, here's a couple things they don't talk about, you know, because this is Hollywood. How much does a droid cost? I mean, obviously, people get a long life out of them, and there's a strong used and refurbished market for them, thanks to the Jawas and other scavengers, or uh, like on the show on The Mandalorian, you say, okay, well, yeah, I did my own what do you call that when you redo an engine rebuilt my rebuilt my own droid. Uh, but I was just thinking like, like, cause usually I thought like R2, I thought like R2 and, um, BB-8 were navigational. Like, uh, they were like co-pilot droids, right? Maybe they do autopilot star systems, all of the complex math for a starship and light speed and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then maybe they have a personality to keep you cool, you, you I mean I don't know. Maybe that's just over the years they said, well, it's going to go a lot better if uh, you know they have a personality. we studied human, or you know, mammal, or near human, like over all the galaxies. Uh, uh, maybe domesticated animals or thing. I don't know. So, so I'm not saying the droids are. Uh, But I'm just wondering, I mean, I know they sometimes can carry tools or do other stuff or interface with computers or, you know, C-3PO is a protocol droid. That's different. You say, okay, I get it. And actually C-3PO is not really good at much else. I mean, no offense, but uh, I mean, other than, you know, being worrying about stuff and predicting odds, uh... He said, well, I guess it's processing power, so I figured out other ways to use it. So, all that said, I guess my point was that uh, I just think about, uh, oh, so brain bots. So, I think about that at bedtime, is like brain bots. So, so projector protector is, uh, we just met, uh, seems like a, like that's kind of a title I made up for you, Correct. Yeah, correct. Thank you, Scooter, though. Thank you. Uh, That is correct. But uh, I'm glad to be here on your show. And I'm really excited to talk to everybody. And uh, I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little bit, this is my first time on a podcast or anywhere other than your mind. Well, that's good to have you. I mean, it's good to have you on Projector Protector. And I don't I, like I just you, just because you came up there, I said, well, let's uh, let's do a show together. Uh, so what do you say like we do a storytelling show where I give you a title of like one of the ways I do sleep with me. And I've already done two episodes during this, but this will be like kind of a chance for us to do kind of two things at once. How, does that sound good to you? Sounds good, Scooter, because that's kind of my job, is project or protect, I proje- project and protect. Uh, I also project to pr- protect. Yeah, we do have to kind of hold things gently and with dignity and respect here on Sleep With Me. You know, so you can't be as... Uh, you know, when I'm trying to sleep, it, when you're dealing with just me, it's one thing. But we have to think about all the other listeners, uh, so... I hope you could diffuse all of your statements, if all possible. Uh, that sounds great, Scooter. So what were you saying? Wow, you're, in, you're natural. It's like you've been in my mind the whole time observing me uh, making this show. Uh, so well, one, thing I, one method I use, so this style of episode we're doing tonight is traditionally called a Trending Tuesday-style episode. Oh, why is that, Scooter? Well, because once upon a time, so I started this podcast in 2013, and at first I was just trying to figure out how to make it, and could I make it, and would I keep making it? And then after a while of making it, uh, I don't know if it was around episode 100, I'm just guessing because I've been looking through the archives, but uh, that, uh, I started realizing I'd have to come up with more creative ways to come up with episodes because they're constantly having to get made and put out. that makes sense, Scooter? And yeah, so one time, I mean, this was back in 2013 and 2014, and the world really was a different place back then, uh, and even 2015, that uh, I, w- I would call it Trending Twitter Tuesdays because I would go on Twitter or I would use a Twitter app I would look at the top trends that were trending right then, and usually I'd take a screenshot of it, and then I would use those as prompts uh, to randomize a story. So there'd be, if there was like uh, somewhere between seven or eight, not so much story beats, but story directional changes, uh, so that the story didn't kind of peter out. Scooter, is this going to be an interview of me? Not exactly. That's not a, like, because we started an interview and it didn't. We're transitioning to a new form of interaction now. And so I was thinking, like, so that's why it was called Trending Twitter Tuesdays. And that became a staple of sleep with me. And at once upon a time, we used to put out three episodes a week, which was never sustainable in a workload wise. But I wanted to see if it one day could be sustainable. Uh, because I liked that idea. Like I said, oh, would, could we ever get to the, um, kind of point where that would make sense to put out three episodes a week. But as I was like, at some point it just was like, okay, this is too much, uh, like there's just not a way to sustain that much, like the, the, the infrastructure sustain that much, um, you know what I'm saying? Yes, Scooter. It was just, uh, there's just not enough. Uh, that's a lot of content to put out three, three episodes a week. And all the work that goes into supporting the con to put out the content, there's just not a. Uh, it didn't wasn't viable exactly. Uh, because at the time we would put out episodes Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and so each one of those Sunday had a certain style episode TV recaps. Uh, Tuesday was trending Twitter Tuesday style episodes, not always a trending Twitter. And then Thursday would be the written episodes and. Uh, uh, then we tried rending ritter reditation, which was kind of similar. That worked pretty good for a while. And since then, I've tried to do non-trending uh, topics because it's just uh, it's like just not sleepy. I guess totally makes sense, Scooter. I'm with you as a projector protector. I hear exactly what you're saying. And so I've, you know, I'm constantly looking for stuff. I use like fish set lists, like uh, uh, Nintendo games I've used. And so this one, this is the third time I'm using this is uh, Vulture came out with a list of the 100 greatest emo songs. And so I thought we'd use a couple of those as story prompts for you to kind of tell me. I don't know, just see where they go for you. That's always interesting. You know, try to keep the story in mind and the listeners in mind. And, you know, no pressure, because they can always edit it. So there's no real pressure on you at all, projector, project, projector, protector. Other than to just see see where where things lead you. So does that sound good? Scooter does sound very good. I'm ready for my prompt. Okay, so your first prompt is... uh, Existentialism on prom nights. Oh, scooters! So that reminds me when I was just a, so. You may have heard just my slip of the tongue earlier, or a slip of the film, as we say in the projector protector business. Uh, not only do I go by the name Projector Protector, but that is kind of one of what, what part who I am as well. And you may, may say, oh, is this, and I don't want to get too into the the background or the history of projector protectors, but we're a part of, it. like, not exactly as you describe us as a unifunction or male, the old, you know, that word adapted with male in the front of its scooter that you refer to us sometimes as. Uh, which is not you know, it's just a, it's a it's just a way of generalizing. I understand generalizing us. Uh, but pro- projector protector, I guess is the simplest way to tell you is a way of life. A way of life for me and other projector protectors out there. And you know, our function and our purpose is kind of somewhat straightforward. But we also have to live by code, and that you know that code is not always clear and not always easy to understand and and all those things. You know we learn, we crop into being uh, when we're needed. or, as you may say, we're uh, as, as 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 our humans are adapting. Uh, you know, the humans don't always have all the tools they need. So they're making tools just like, you know, the human history we see and not that different than other tools. Like the projector protector is just a tool that a lot of humans is springing to existence. Uh, and as you kind of hinted at, at a younger age normally, but not always, uh, to deal, you know, a tool to, to, to deal with things, uh, as they're adapting to situations. But we also kind of have to have uh, come up with a code, right? And one of those, actually, that they taught us is uh, that there is uh, existentialism on promenade is to be avoided at all costs. Or if you said, a uh, your projector protector, because you might say this is, well, you'd say, could you write a, a book of uh, tips for other projector protectors and I would say, yeah, avoid existentialism on prom Night at all costs, because it is a likely place. Like if you're watching some over someone like Scooter, like I am, uh, that's someone who who probably lives in their head a lot, uh, and they do a lot of thinking. They don't do a lot of uh, they they uh, don't find it easy to be present in their own space and body all the time. Uh, sometimes they have an inability to enjoy themselves and maybe they recreationally find ways to uh, lower their inhibitions and those kind of things. Uh, and so when it comes to something like prom night, which uh, you, you have to be pretty prepared. Now, also, if you're dealing with someone like Scooter, they tend to deflate or not, you know, they tend to control expectations when they can. So they probably don't build up things that are titled. Like, they their high expectations are elsewhere. So when something like prom night comes, they're uh, more putting it, uh, how do you say this? Uh, they're saying, well, it's not like they're faking it. Some people say, oh, you're poo-pooing that or you're not into that because you're, They you say, well, no, it's a little bit more complex than that. I have a projector protector and also many other tools that I use. You know, some of which I designed and developed when I was only four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve 10, 12 years old. And uh, I guess my point in all this is that, uh, oh, so the reason we, 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 we would have a code of no existentialism on prom night is, you know, for me, the projector protector, most of my work should be done, by, like, if you're, if you're taking a, a place of responsibility... You know, I would be even telling Scooter, no existential Scooter, no existentialism on prom night. You know, I'm going to get you, we're going to try to figure out everything ahead of time. Everything, people might say it's unrealistic that this could happen in a good way or a non-great way. But over the next 42 nights, we're going to run through all of them multiple times from multiple angles. You know, we'll recreate them and we'll see what you know we'll run through how we're gonna handle everything unexpected and that would be my role really is I mean one of my roles you like so would say young scooter prom night is uh what do they call it they they had two uh but let's say you're uh uh seventeen sixteen years old or so you see don't worry we're gonna run through all these things that might uh have differing degrees of uh, the, the, everything, and that uh, really—that uh, uh, really, what I really want you to do, scooters uh you know get all of that out of the way, so that you would be secure, and that maybe you could have fun or, or something uh, during that, instead of having an intensity level of twelve out of ten. Uh, but also we want you to enjoy yourself to the degree that you'd be restful. Like, so either prom night could be the night before or the night of. Uh, now I know a lot of those things, they tend to go on after the dance. Uh, and I'm not, to be honest, Scooter, I'm running through your database and I can't exactly see what, uh, I know, you had a fun time on the Sunday after. Usually you have like a daytime Uh, like, uh, it looks like from what I can see outdoor at a park. And I think there was probably something with you, like that you did at one of your friend's houses after the prom. And you went with someone you were friends with, which is always a good idea for, especially for scooter, because you see, well, you got to keep your, like, uh, you can't overstretch. So those are all things, uh, Like, uh, that, uh, it makes sense, but we, we, what we would want is not for you to be lying in bed. Uh, well, maybe we would have wanted this for Scooter, like, uh, if you'd been swept away somehow in, like, whatever romantic throes or dreaminess, uh, and thinking about the meaning and the purpose and like, but yeah, that, that just doesn't sound like very conducive to prom night is you thinking about all those things. Does this mean everything? Does this mean nothing? Do, do, where do I be like, what am I thinking about all this? Uh, so we'd say, okay, if, if you're looking at being a projector protector, you know, prepare for prom night, do 60, 90 120 days, you know, you don't even need to, even before you'd even think about having a date, we might have to even start preparing earlier for you to think about preparing for having a date or going as friends uh, or going without a date. All those things are fine. Yeah, and we would want to help, or that should you just ignore these pressures to, to say, but I would say, to, you know, in context, is like, uh, If you could step out of other people's expectations and still go and have fun, you know, because sometimes Scooter, you did a border on, you know, saying, removing yourself from having fun, not by saying you're above it, but by saying, well, I'm like, you're a little, you're not being standoffish on purpose. Uh, but I, I guess I would want for you to be able to, like, release yourself uh, to to be a child and have fun. Because there were times you did go to dances and dance. You know, we've talked about this before. Yeah, I'm sorry, projector, projector. It's kind of feeling like a little bit of a therapeutic. Oh, I'm glad, so, Scooter, I'm glad we're talking about this prom stuff is therapeutic for you. Well, no, I was going to say, if you, oh, yes, you, oh, yes, you're sure I could talk more about your dances before we get to the next uh, story prompt, of course. So I would like to think about those. There's two dances, Scooter, where you really, uh, you really did let, well, one you, you kind of let loose, uh, and you were, it was a little confusing, and that was when you were in middle school, I believe. And we talked about it on the show where you went as a, uh, uh, like what you saw is someone from l- like a uh, London punk, uh, 1980s. Uh, and you, uh, you went to the school dance like that and people could barely tell who you, who, who you were and you had all sorts of accoutrements and you had a lot of fun, but then you also, your jeans, you had ripped jeans and then someone ripped your jeans up to your, uh. Your, uh, your, 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 um, I don't know how to say it other than tidy whitey, said you were at the time. And that, yeah, that was confusing for me because I couldn't tell. It wasn't, I don't think it was people trying to be mean, but it was kind of like, uh, it, it was like, uh, it, like it was just kids. I mean, I can see how people say, well, that was, uh, because it was someone I was kind of friends with, uh, and the act wasn't super nice, uh, but, it also wasn't mean spirited. It was from a place of like vulnerability, and maybe just over excitement. And then yeah, you you someone else helped you make use one of your many headbands or armbands to, to tie it around your leg, and and so you couldn't really see your tighty whities after that. Yeah, I don't know if I how much I danced at that one though. Well, yeah, but you uh, you were you were there. You embodied the, the the costume spirit of that Halloween dance or whatever it was. Yeah, you know I know you're not going to bring this up because I because I can read your mind, but uh, there was also the uh, the first dance I went to, other than you know that I did take tap dance, and we had my dance recitals. Uh, but and then that actually gave me a sense of rhythm. So then in that uh, when my grammar school. The middle school at my my elementary school was K through eight. Uh, but then the year I was in sixth grade, they decided to close down seventh and eighth grade. So we were going to have to go to a middle school. And uh, I don't know if that was related to the fact that uh, it wasn't it sixth, seventh and eighth grade. All we all had had a dance or was it only sixth and seventh grade or was it only a sixth grade dance? And 7th graders were there. Do you remember, Scooter? I don't know. I don't necessarily—I think uh, it was either 7th and 6th grade or there was a lot of 7th graders at the 6th grade dance. Right, and that was another one where uh, a lot of people—like, that was my first uh, prepubescent uh, place of like, oh, where do I fit in in this prepubescent world and I didn't have a comfortable place there where I fit, fit, fit in because, uh, I kind of like w- where I was in the social hierarchy and self-confidence and all those things. Uh, we well, used to scooter. You still found a place to fit in though. Well, I did. And I remember that we all, everybody was getting dates and then I said, Oh, I don't know. And you know, everybody was pairing off, but then, uh, Uh, that, yeah, my friend, uh, Chris, uh, I remember that there was four of us that came up with a plan, uh, in that, uh, I think it was Dana was my date and Chris's date was someone I was friends with whose name escapes me. And so the four of us kind of planned it out together, maybe something like that. Okay, Scooter, I remember that. Uh, and you were friends with all those kids. I do remember that. I just wish I remembered uh, who the, the like uh, Molly, maybe. Uh, I don't know, but uh, so uh, that was the dance that uh, they had the dance contest, and I mean, I guess this is a humble brag, but it's also like it was a school of kids that just couldn't dance and had no rhythm. But they had that dance off, and I remember I was dancing with my date. I mean, it was fast music, uh, and they kept playing songs and then taking people off the dance floor. And maybe I guess it was just for one winner. And I was really only good at like shuffle ball. I don't even think I could do shuffle ball toe, but I think I was doing some sort of uh, non-tap dance version of shuffle ball step or something. Scooter, I think you were. I think the winning thing was that you were actually in sync to the rhythm of the songs. Yeah, probably. And then I won, and I won a record. I think it was a Bruce Springsteen record and maybe um, an MJ record. But I I think it was a Bruce Springsteen record, and we had our Fisher-Price record player, so that got a lot of play at home. And Scooter, didn't you uh, didn't you perform one of your dance recitals to a Bruce Springsteen song in tap dance? That's a good question. I have to look back. I mean, I think we did. I don't know because I'm not sure if I did two or three or four or two. I know I did at least two dance recitals when I was in boys tap, and we did an episode about that. So. I don't think we have to get too deep into that one, you know, the history of my tap dancing lessons. Uh, but I I don't know, because some of the songs I was actually watching, you know, my sister did a lot of dance, so I remember watching her. And so I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I know, there was that Bruce Springsteen, was there a Bruce Springsteen song about working on the highway, working for a living or something like that? Because I know we had yellow shovels uh, and probably white T-shirts rolled up. So I know we danced to a song about working on a highway, and we we're that was part of our tamp dancing, was pretending we were working on a highway with shovels. Gee, Scooter, I hope no one that worked on a highway was there. Well, we were glorifying it, so I think it was uh So I know we did that one, uh, and then... I don't know what other ones, maybe an MJ song one year, maybe a Billy Joel song. Maybe that was a Billy Joel song. I don't know. Okay, Scooter, can we move on to the last dance? Uh, Because I don't think we're going to have, I want to get to this dance before we uh, run out of time here together. Well, you're good at projecting. I mean, when you're, when you're, um... When you're when you're a neutral projector, could you just project in these sepia tones instead of, like, bright, bold colors or stark uh, all-or-nothing colors? Well, yeah, in the middle of the day, Scooter, I, I guess I can. Okay, so let's get to this other dance. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. What kind of questions do you have? Well, Scooter, I was just wondering, like, what you remember from it, uh... And yeah, what, what, uh, let's just walk through some of the details. Okay. Well, here's what I remember one, it was non, like, so, it, it, like, uh, I'm trying to also say, like, I, I, I'm not, like, uh, playing any of this for sympathy. So some, some people might sympathize or relate to what I'm saying. But because we're projecting this in a you're projecting this away for me that's kind of neutral, I do feel like okay with all this. But so my school had, It normally had, like, a a Sadie Hawkins dance. I didn't go to that one, I don't think, maybe ever. And then uh, it sometimes had, uh, like, a you know, when you're a senior or junior, you had your, like, proms or whatever. And then there's probably a couple other dances during the year, I guess, because it's, well, at least we know where the kids are on a weekend night. Uh, But definitely it felt like a lot of the dances, like maybe there's like a winter dance, but a lot of them were date-themed, which I wasn't really into. Like like I said, kind of uh, have a historical reluctance and uh, detachment from that. Scooter, you were almost protecting yourself in a projection way. Yeah, I guess so. But so this particular dance, and this may be an amalgamation of memories, so some of it, so you'll have to indulge me. Scooter, consider yourself indulged. So I, I would say I was probably a junior. Maybe it was towards the beginning of the year, so maybe it was a back-to-school dance, but that I was a junior and, or I could have been a sophomore in, in high school. And, Scooter, what gives you that impression? Well, I think I was probably a junior because I think my brother and maybe my sister were at the dance, and they're two years younger than me. Uh, The other thing is I remember older kids that, uh, uh, like, being at the dance uh, and ones that I may have had feelings for, so any attention from them was very stimulating. Okay, Scooter, uh, TM, no, I'm just kidding. Well, I just mean in, in my, like, it's butterflies, that's what I meant. Okay, thank you, Scooter. And also I have a memory of, like, people coming to the dance, you know, like uh, like seniors coming to the dance, or maybe they were juniors, uh, and they had, had uh, like, already been out uh, doing things that we weren't supposed to be doing. So they were, uh, like, they were boisterous, but not in a negative way. But I remember that was, like, uh, it just seemed a little bit wild to me. Okay, Scooter, what else? Well, it's just like weird, like, and, and we've talked about, I've talked about this, I don't want to talk about this too much on the podcast, but I always had this uh, sense uh, that I don't have so much anymore. Uh, like, not only did, like, the sole square peg round hole thing, but I never felt like I, like a consistency. Uh, in, in, in my own, not my own identity, but my own comfortableness in, in who I was or just being myself. Like some days I'd feel comfortable being myself and some days I felt like I came from outer space and, you know, my, all my, all my tools that I created over my childhood were, uh, too much for me to like, like, almost like the tools were too much, you know what I'm saying? Scooter, I think I do. Like, uh, some days you could handle things and be yourself and uh, be in the world. And other times there was like a thousand different things or you just didn't, you, you, you felt much differently than that. Right, and as we've gotten, we talked about these answers of being inhibited, were closed off was always a tool, safe tool. Uh, you might say it's a blunt instrument, but very effective, and actually not that. It's one that almost all kids use. is so an acceptable tool to use, uh, especially in a like a social situation. Right, scooter. We could say now maybe unnecessary, but at the time, reasonable and and seems necessary. Right. So, But when I could break out of that uh, and step out of that into a place of more, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say confidence and comfort, but something like that, let go, uh, was very rare and also baffling. So this dance was one of these baffling ones in a good way. Uh, Because I went to the dance, I was 100% sober and clear of mind, except for maybe maybe I took extra Sudafed by accident. That's the only thing I could think of. Okay, scooter, possible due to Sudafedron, but more than likely not. And that would have been accidental. And yeah, I got to this dance and I just let loose uh, like I've never let loose before. And normally that might be a sign that I really liked somebody and that then I was going to like embarrass myself and they'd say, well, you're, you're different and I'm not into people that are different. Uh, but this one, I didn't have a crush on anybody. I mean, the only thing I could think of is that, yeah, because it was the new year, I was caught up in some sort of a start of the school year excitement, uh, you know, the horizon of possibilities. And Scooter, could I point out also that you did have a lot of friends and you seemed to have very good friends and uh, people that liked you and were excited to see you let loose. And yeah, I just let loose on the dance floor. I mean, it's as simple as that. I got to this dance and probably from the beginning to the end, I let loose out there on the dance floor. Not in a, Well, in an over the top way when I could. Uh, when the music called for it, and Scooter, I think the most important thing is that you invented your own dance by like uh, just because you were letting loose. Yeah, I did start doing this dance, and people people started. And that's why I know it was uh, my brother and sister were there because some of my brother's friends were dancing with me, I think, and then older kids were dancing with me because they some they were asking me what do you what did you take before the dance even the teachers were. And I think they always had a breathalyzer there, so I said, "Well, I take the breathalyzer. I'm nothing. I'm not a hundred percent clean." And uh, but yeah, so I did invent a dance by accident. I'm not sure what the first song I invented it on. And it not exactly was a hippie to dance, and I don't think I mean I don't know if uh, it would fit on TikTok nowadays. But yeah, people were calling it uh, the my dance. Uh, they were naming it after me, and it was a bit like a, like you would take your your dancing in a way. I, I mean, you've seen this version of a dance now. It's where sometimes people are d- d- pretending to be a T Rex. So so your arms. And, but this wasn't what I was doing at the time. It's just what my body was doing. I wasn't trying to embody a T-Rex. Uh, but if you put your arms together and in front of you, a bit like a um, some sort of, uh, what, what are those called? Not a groundhog, but uh, those ones that come out of the hole and beg for stuff. Uh, prairie dog. And then you hold your hands together over your head with that prairie dog thing. And you kind of move like a T-Rex, uh, that was the majority of what the arms were doing. And then your legs are kind of moving and you're gyrating your body and you're dipping. I mean, maybe more, maybe more like a giraffe. I wasn't trying to embody any animals. I was literally just, I was lost in the music as they say. And, uh. I mean, it may be a little self-conscious because I was letting loose, that then people were aware of my letting looseness. But then some people were getting into that because uh, it wasn't like out strangeness was not outside of my personal behavior. It was more like just a, a like a more open strangeness uh, in front of everybody it was maybe a little bit out of my behavior, having fun. And so, and then, like, of course, the teachers and stuff thought I was up, you know, I'd been uh, doing something before the dance. Uh, But I think I just, it was very, I was very hyper, I would say that. Uh, I had a lot of energy that I released while I was dancing. I had fun. Uh, Though it was hard for me to sometimes be like, when I had fun and people were having fun with me, To not, and knowing now that they probably weren't having fun at my expense, to be like, uh, like, because remember that time I made my own necklace, too. And I put tool, like, I put metal tools on it and stuff, and I wore that to school. Remember that? Scooter I do. Uh, It was like nuts and bolts and stuff on a necklace, and kids were coming up to me, being like, do you have nuts and bolts? Is that a nut and a bolt and a a Cheerio on there or something? And I said, yeah, yeah, it is. So I made my own necklace. Uh, But then just to think that, uh, I don't know, they were like, that's wild, man. But then a part of my brain said, that's probably not the good kind of wild, but it probably was a good kind. And so I guess it was a bit like that. But it was, you know, it let loose. It was fun. And, uh. I think it, there's maybe some kind of positive ex, existentialism. Maybe the wrong word, but like uh, like an ability to step outside yourself into yourself. You know what I'm saying? Uh, projector protector, scooter. I think that's a good way to wrap it up. It's like uh, as we work, we think about moving forward together, the two of us, and working together long term can we find ways to step outside of yourself and into yourself? Uh, You know, because as I'm trying to readapt my tools here, this was good practice for me into a new life uh, where you can get the rest and I can trust that we're capable of handling things. You know, we all win. Well, yeah, I appreciate your help. This was unexpected. I thought this would be more of a surreal episode and, more and less of a personal essay, but uh, thanks for your help tonight, projector, project projector protector. Thanks for your lifetime of protection. And realize to all your brain bots and other tools or other memories that are you know have some smirches or rust on them, that's okay and that you, you are the tools that we came up with uh, to work with things at the time. And then yeah, by talking about brain bots, I'm not trying to banish any of you. I mean, maybe sometimes I'm passively aggressively saying, "Oh boy, that projector protector," or that all-night alert bot that alerts me to generalized alerts that have nothing. You know, you know, I'm just human too. But I realize that you're just doing your job. You know, we're all doing the best we can. It's a good thing we sleep we all sleep together every night. Uh, So I'm looking forward to snuggling up with all my brain bots tonight. Good night.